Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your co-host, Steven Spector. And as usual, I have Rob Hirschfeld with us from Texas. Rob, I hope you're feeling better. I know you've been a little down under the weather lately. You're pulling through for podcasts. (laughs) You're making me cough because I'm laughing. I'm doing fine. Yeah, I've sanitized my microphone. You are safe. So the disease cannot come through Zoom. That is a new marketing. Uh, that, I think that's actually Zoom's entire marketing strategy at this point. <laughs> and, and working very well. It, it's just amazing to me because I always see Zoom as such an open source thing that open source people adopted it early. And now Zoom is like this global thing and Teams is trying to catch. It's just interesting to me how it's worked out. But uh, we have another new guest for us as we continue, which I'm really excited about. And we're talking edge again, which you know, you can never talk edge enough in our world. So let me introduce our guest, Andrew Workin, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Blue Cat. Great company name, Andrew. I like it. Right. It It used to have an interesting story, but I think we made up a better story for it. So give us the quick better story for Blue Cat. Well, we're in the networking, network security world, and there's nothing like a blue patch cable. So a blue cat five or six patch cable. That's, trust me, that's, that's, that's <laughs> super dry and boring, but I like it way more than the actual story, which I'm not going to tell you. And, and your logo actually looks a little bit like Napster, unless I'm imagining it. Rob, did you see their logo? It looks like Napster. I, I, I can see I can see the original Napster elements of it. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, all I'm right, actually I've a Napster user. So I'm looking at Napster is a cat with headphones on. So reasonable. All right. Uh, well, I've taken us in the wrong direction. So I better be quiet, Rob, so we can. <laughs> cats, we can cats are always talking. a win. So Andrew, give us a, a quick background on Blue Cat, and then we'll dump in, talk, jump right in. Sorry. Blue Cat's actually about a 20-year-old company that's been in – uh, network and network security for for quite some time, focused most broadly on on DNS and in the private side of DNS, DNS inside of an enterprise. We we deal with external public DNS as well, but but a, a huge chunk of our business and our customers are driving solutions for DNS inside the network. And and as you can imagine, I mean, most of us as individuals as consumers think about DNS as what's necessary for us to connect to some third party service or application. Uh, inside a corporation, inside of a data center, um, there's a tremendous amount and pressure put on internal DNS for connecting devices to internal applications for um, Active Directory authentication, Kerberos. I mean, there's many, many use cases that require DNS internally. Yeah, I mean, DNS is an essential thing. People, people, I think, forget you can't really do TLS, which is you know secure sockets communication, without naming servers and having an authenticated DNS. So, I mean, how? So, DNS is an essential infrastructure in on sites. Do you then you know basically become the enterprise DNS infrastructure? I know there's a couple couple of companies that do that. There's a couple of companies that are really internet DNS and and application focused DNS for you know, huge websites and things like that. What, where's the blue cat balance? We, we become the enterprise DNS. And so, and that doesn't mean that some of our customers don't use us for public DNS for websites and those things as well. Um, it, it sort of depends on the company and the size of the company and what part of the public DNS they're talking about. You know, perhaps, <laughs> you know, they, they delegate a lot of zones to different services based on certain applications, whatever the case might be. But right. 
90% of what we bring to our customers is, is that enterprise DNS on the inside of the network. Okay, so let me, let me break that down a little bit because application DNS or you know, sort of the internet DNS that people are, when people are looking at dynamic DNS for that, like um, names, NS1, I'm thinking, um, if they still exist anymore, I think they got bought and, um, but that's, that's used to help load balance, you know, geographic people into, you know, geographically specific places. How is an enterprise DNS different from that? Yeah. So first of all, um, NS1 is a good example on the external side. And I think you're thinking of Dyn that was acquired. Dyn, that's it. They went yeah, to Oracle. Yeah, they, they were acquired by Oracle and, and they're, not, they're not really providing that service anymore. They've sunsetted some of that service. But yeah, so a good chunk of on the external side, you're trying to certainly geo-load balance or just make generally available and mitigate against DDoS your external DNS. On the, right. inside, on the inside of the network, there's some of that as well. You might have the same application in several data centers or several different cloud instances. And based on the geolocation of your uh, internal users, you want to direct them to the right application. On the inside of the network, we have generally our customers are going to use RFC 1918 space. So it's not geolocated. And so we provide the appropriate services for them to tag networks and, and as we we part of an enterprise dns solution is also a layer of ip address management in general where we're um the single source of truth for all of the networks that are deployed inside of the enterprise and so Makes we sense. can tag those and locate those to help with that uh so that there, there's that side as well but there's there's a variety of other use cases like kerberos authentication for instance um simply finding my domain controller um you know, and, and just, you know, on and on and on. I mean, I, I think, I think I, I was actually just looking earlier today across a variety of different customers, depending on the customer, like a large university customer of ours, maybe 80% of the queries are going to the internet and 20% are internal. Okay. If you swap that to a large financial customer of ours, it completely swaps along with it, where 80% of the queries are internal and 20% are going external. And it just goes to the amount of applications, resources that are used inside the network versus outside the network. And then also whether or not there's a web proxy or explicit web proxy in play that might be executing a lot of the DNS queries for the user on behalf of the user. That's fair. I was going to go next because, I mean, DNS is a core technology, but there's so many things that impinge on it. Proxy being one of them, load balancer would be another. Um, and it seems like performance of a DNS infrastructure can be super sensitive, right? If, if something's like the, the joke on the internet is it's always the DNS right. uh, when you're troubleshooting problems. So how do you, how does, does Blue Cat have those services as part of your offering or then do you integrate in into other services that are out there? DHCP is another one that I would think. Yeah, DHCP is another core. I, th this market, you know, was always called DDI, DNS, DHCP, and IP address management, which is an acronym of acronyms that really nobody knows. <laughs> and so, so we, we tend to just yeah. think about it all as DNS um, and enterprise yeah. DNS, which includes these other other solutions. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's the the latency. And availability of DNS are critical to to availability of applications and services and performance. And so, these are things that our customers are 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 constantly. We're providing tools and capabilities for them to understand what the performance of DNS is inside. So, and like looking in proactively for anything that might 
cause um, service slowdown or, or outages or anything like that. And so we work with our customers to make sure that we've deployed enough capacity. And, and you know, that historically has been capacity that's usually located in large data centers or large branches, but more so now as we, as we you know, push more into edge computing, it also means um, deploying smaller points of service wherever there might be egress to the internet. So would you, in an edge location, basically put together a DNS, you know, a small DNS infrastructure for that site? Is that, that the idea? Yeah. So we, we, have, a, we have a sort of a, a product profile of, uh, that's, that's specifically engineered for that edge site. So, okay. you know, where, where you might, you know, if that edge site is a, is a retail store, you know, where, where our data center appliances can go to hundreds of thousands of queries per second, you're talking about, you know, be lucky to have 100 queries per second or less. Um, uh, same thing on the DTP side where, you know, you, you just expect a, a much lower volume. Um, however, um, there's still all the complexity of internal DNS that gets dragged along with it. And so we have these sort of smart servers there that provide everything from, uh, you know, our customers are dying for visibility and, and, and DNS is, um, we don't know if a customer connected from point A to point B or any, any client, I should say. Sure. Um, but we know there was an intention. There was a DNS lookup. And, and, and with that intention, it becomes a pretty good proxy for the intent of that device. And, and therefore, it's, those signals are extremely interesting to, um, to uh, the security team, uh, the network team. You know, there, there's, there's a great desire for that. Um, but then also, um, we're able to change the answer based on context. And, and that's what really becomes important for, for edge-based, well, in general, but edge-based computing. So when you say change the answer, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. As I, you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize just how deeply integrated DNS is into infrastructure. And you're, but you're exactly right. So, you know, a script that runs and, and it's trying to download, you know, malicious or, or benign, if it's trying to download materials, it's literally hitting the DNS every time it's pulling down those materials, um, pulling them from repos, going out to caches. I mean, there's a tr that, that is the first indicator of any content activity, you know, any, any network traversal activity. Is that a fair? Yeah, it is. That? No, for sure. And so, so therefore, like if, if all of a sudden something's hitting a, you know, constantly looking up the same address and it's a user-driven device, for instance, and it's, it's looking up in a pattern that no way that could possibly be a user. Yeah, somebody could have left, uh, you know, some sort of file sharing uh, application service running on their device at home, forgot to take it, turn it off, brought it back inside. By and large, it represents something that somebody should look at. And just the pattern of DNS is, is good enough. Even if the connection couldn't be made, um, let's say you're blocking look up to that specific domain, something's installed on that machine. And so just right. based on, based on that pattern of queries, it, it becomes pretty obvious that something's going wrong there. Right. No, that's, and, and once again, benign or malevolent, right? It's, you know, if, if something's hitting an address that, that even if it was, you know, what you wanted it to do, if it's hitting a DNS over and over again and not being able to resolve that address, you've now got a, a non-performing application. Could be um, right, and it's right. going to hit. A, it's going to at least hit a timeout, or something's going to happen. I mean, it's that's 
pretty normal. And then on edge, it becomes super expensive because if you're running, if you're doing a DNS entry to someplace and running out and pulling data across, you might not even know what's crossing your router out of that edge site, but the DNS could give you a pretty good indication of what's, what's going on. Yeah, it becomes, it comes a, a pretty, pretty um, rich set of data to mine for what's being used there, but then also to help steer that, you know, I mean, we have, um, I'll give you a good example of, of how one of our edge customers are, are using it. Um, they have, um, they've implemented SD-WAN like, you know, God knows how, what percentage of enterprises at this point. And, and they only want to, and, and this isn't unique to them either, there's only certain services that they want to make available for direct internet access. And in the case of this company, it's basically Office 365, which is, you okay. know, the, the amount of, of, of network re-architecture and spending that has occurred because of Office 365 is pretty insane, but it's there. Um, and so they want to drive that out. And a lot of the SD-WAN vendors um, sell some pretty sophisticated capabilities to try to sense different applications. And what this company realized um, is that they can basically steer traffic based on whether or not you can resolve the DNS name. So we use, we have this policy driven DNS and we, you know, Microsoft provides um, a web service with all of the, uh, you know, fully qualified domain names that are necessary to run Office 365. And basically those get whitelisted. Everything else gets blocked and their pack files for their proxy are written such that if they can't look up the answer in DNS, if DNS doesn't have an answer, then send it through the proxy. And so just by that very, very simple, in fact, they've, they've taken ridiculously complex uh, pack files for their explicit proxy and reduced them to like two lines. If I can look it up in DNS, go directly there, else go to proxy. And, um, and that simple and elegant solution allows Office 365 traffic go directly out to the internet and everything else still routes back through the proxy. And so that part of DNS, the, the, you know, the fact that, um, I don't know, uh, somebody I was talking to recently said, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, you, you build all these pipes and you've got all these great network pipes with all sorts of expectations of traffic utilization, but it's like having, you know, um, like they've built the highways, but there's no ways or Google maps. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's no ability to know what's going to go where or, or to direct that traffic, I should say. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, DNS certainly doesn't know the route that's going to be taken, right? but it knows the address of the, of the service on the other side. It's what's providing that. And so it becomes a very powerful way to direct traffic in whatever direction necessary. No, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. I think people, you know, the internet is supposed to be resilient. So what you're describing, you know, is, is a feature and a bug simultaneously uh, from that perspective. But, you know, we do, we do provide a lot of hints um, from that perspective. You know, we, my company does a lot of DHCP work and there's a ton of things written down in the spec that provide hints also that people have been using and playing with. Is there, are there things that people should be thinking about in, in application design that would make DNS more powerful? Well, it, certainly in, in um, you know, as we build cloud native applications these days, then, then the, the service direct, the, the service discovery capabilities of DNS become, become, you know, very important in that process that, not that they weren't used before, but 
you know, now, now there's much more use of, of things like that. So I can build way less brittle, brittle applications and start using service discovery to have the right. DNS basically tell me what the closest, healthiest service is that I should be connecting to for authentication or whatever that, that service might be, might be doing in my application. So th there's that, there's that side of it for sure. Um, the, the, the thing we see a lot is the misuse of DNS in, <laughs> in application development. You know, for instance, the, those writing the application deciding that they're going to, um, you know, basically look up DNS on their own as opposed to going through the operating system. And, uh, and we see that with like, I won't name them, but one of the, one of the security uh, agents out there does that. And what ends up happening in one of our large customers is eight to, I think, during the middle of the day, there's about 8,000 queries per second just for this security agent because it doesn't allow the operating system to cache. It's not caching. It's right. just pounding away at DNS. And therefore, the further away those endpoints are from their DNS, the, the, you know, there'll be a hit on performance. And, and for the security agent, maybe that's not a big deal. But when you see a lot of people having strategies of moving portions of applications to edge, or portions of applications to cloud, things that maybe didn't cause performance issues before because there was an assumption that the application was close to DNS. Now when you create a space and all of a sudden you had a latency of five milliseconds and that's now a hundred milliseconds, you see a performance issue. And that performance issue could end up being um, pretty difficult to, to uh, nail down. DNS issues are just historically very difficult to understand especially yeah. on the so what, yeah. what you're describing to me is a real edge um, challenge case for people when, because, you know, we're dealing with edge scenarios where a lot of edge talking that I've done is like, oh, I have a, ga a gateway and then I have devices behind that gateway and, and that everything's sort of hard coded and yay, it's great. Everything has to run through the gateway. But now we're moving to multi, multi, multiple systems in that edge gateway and that gateway is becoming a small cluster to do more work. Right. Um, and so what, what you just described is, you know, you could have an application running on that gateway that's coded to go to the internet to collect an address and then talk to a service based on that address that works. Yeah. It's going to work great in the cloud where the DNS is really close and everything is assured, but that edge site could actually take a, a significant amount of time just to return the address. And then it right. could be vulnerable that if the address doesn't get returned because the link is down, you could actually have local communications that are failing because it couldn't resolve an address. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so that's why we, that's why we, we tend to push these days uh, to the edge to solve for those sorts of issues. Um, and then th there's a couple of other wonky issues that, that companies have though when they, when they start trying to break out. And it's all because of legacy data center web proxies, which, you know, if, if I'm running an explicit web proxy and therefore- web proxies are the bane, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah just it's years and years and years of God knows what configuration in there. And people have sort of patched DNS issues in the web proxy. A, a good example of that is, um, you know, you or whatever company will use the same domain internally and externally. And, and they're not managing yeah. it from like a split horizon perspective. Like they're literally, their active directory domain is the same as their public facing domain, or there are some domains that are the same. And the web proxies had this kludge basically to say, okay, we don't know if www.whatever 
or whatever this application is, is an internal site or an external site. So first we'll check if it's an internal site and then we'll send you the external site if it's not. Sure. And, um, and so now all of a sudden you start doing direct internet access, stuff isn't going there. And we've seen like large enterprises completely halt uh, DIA strategies because it completely broke internal DNS. And, um, and so we've, we also, you know, started working on and released some capabilities to solve for that so that you don't need to, you know, if you, oh, fine, great, go fix that and start managing it appropriately. That's actually like a year or two of hard manual migration of DNS zones, um, you know, as opposed to doing some, some magical stuff that, that we can do because we control what the answer is. Um, and so we're, we're trying to make it easier to manage a fleet of these servers because look, DNS is critical infrastructure. People don't like to change it. Um, they're, they're terrified of it going down because if it goes down, then everything breaks. And so we're, we're trying to, to, to convince a company that instead of having 40 DNS servers in their data centers, they should have hundreds or thousands and deploy whatever they're going directly to the internet, you know, depending on the type of, of, of company. Well, then wow. you, you need to, you need as a vendor to take on the responsibility of managing the health of those services because they don't want to manage the health of 500 DNS servers. Yeah. The same thing that would, you know, this is like the uh, East West firewall problem, right? All of a sudden you've got a lot more firewalls. You've got cruft floating around. You can't, you don't want to promote the entire DNS infrastructure into each one of the sub subunits. It actually needs to be managed specifically for it. So what you're describing to me, the edge case is the same. It's you're going to have thousands of DNS sites that have actually slightly bespoke configurations. How do right. you, I mean, that's, and then, and then it's site, it's site specific, and then you've got alerting and, and monitoring on top of that. Um, yeah. So for that's, our, that's a distributed app. That's a significant problem. Right. I mean, look, we look at it as, as an IOT application, to be honest with you. And, and it's a, and that's why we delivered this, these capabilities as a SaaS based application where we can manage the stuff from the cloud and we, we do the alerting and we ensure there's health and we look for anomalies in, in how any of those servers are working. Um, but we deploy it on premises. And uh, well, or in the cloud, wherever the customers want it, but they can deploy it sort of, um, you know, it's a containerized service or they can deploy it as a VM if they want to. And, and we're working with some of the uh, router vendors to try to deploy on router, certainly on CPE, um, you know, depending on the yeah. hypervisor. And, um, and so, and then we manage it because they, they, they can't think of managing servers in that range without more people. And obviously they don't want more people for doing this. And so, so and then we, we, we also in this service, we've sort of transitioned from um, relying on our customers understanding the somewhat esoteric nature of DNS configuration and really driving it at a higher level because it's actually, yes, there's lots of different variations depending on site, Right. But the basic configuration is way less complex than like a data center based DNS where, where, um, you know, there, there's many more parameters in play, especially on the authoritative side of DNS. So, so we, we try to make it as easy as possible. Um, and that's where we're, we're doing everything from threat protection to, um, um, traffic steering and, and, you know, and anything where, where us being the first hop in DNS, 
right. what actually knowing who the client is because you lose that attribution once you hop to the next bounce. Uh, therefore, we can apply policy and we can, we can restrict things. So I've got, you know, a point of sale machine and, and the point of sale machine only looks up, I don't know, 15 different DNS names in normal use. If the 16th is google.com, it's compromised because it's not, it doesn't do that. And so we can apply like specific policy to what certain devices can and can't do which is interesting for us as well. It's, it's one of the things that you said that really comes home with our own experience is that edge and enterprise actually have very similar requirements. What you just described as an edge use case, but that would be just as true as, you know, something walking on a tablet, walking onto a campus as yeah. a new device, right? And you'd actually be able to say, this is a new device. It's, it's asking for certain things that I don't understand. Um, you know, how, how well can your, the DNS infrastructure then interact with something else to you know, send an alert or do a quarantine or, cause right, you could, you can effectively quarantine something just by saying, I'm not going to answer any DNS requests for you. Yeah. Uh, which, which is, which is interesting, right? Like if you know something's compromised, yeah, you can alert somebody that, you know, it, it keeps pinging to some known command and control server via right. DNS. Fantastic. Better is, yeah. So why reply correctly to any question that's answering? You know it's compromised, so just don't reply to it anymore. Um, so we, certainly we have that stuff and we have the appropriate integrations, but we also like, you know, and, and, and um, we do this with some of our customers, like even on the DHCP side, you know, if, if I don't know of this device, and, and, I, and look, you can spoof a MAC address, there's plenty of things you can do, but if I don't know of this device, then why let it onto a VLAN that's, that's um, you know, that, routes to other production machines, for instance. Um, now, that usually means uh, some coordination with a NAC-based solution um, so that, you know, we, we can give a specific address, for instance. Um, but also, like, you know, it, it's, a fairly, it's fairly certain these days that if something's on the IP network, it's going to issue a DNS query. So it also just becomes a pretty interesting way to do discovery of what's on the network just based on where we're getting these queries from and and uh and is our is you know is that ip address supposed to be occupied right now um we think the same thing goes with dhcp but we, we just think dns can be used for way more inside the network a lot of the things we use and the strategies we use actually aren't good for the internet because you as a consumer don't want people um you know, munging your DNS query or response. And it's why things like DNS right. over HTTPS and other technologies have come along or protocols. There's this fear, am I getting the actual answer? And, and DNSSEC validation helps with that, but it, can I trust this answer? Well, on the inside of the network, it's the enterprises, the corporation's network. The right answer is what they say is the right answer. You know, it's, it's so there's more we can do that, that many of many a, a chunk of which is there's no RFC for, because what we're what our what we're trying to do is make sure the DNS is healthy, it's low latency, it's giving the right answer based on the context of what's happening right now, mm -hmm. as opposed to giving the authoritative answer of a third-party company that I'm connecting to, because in that latter case. I don't want you to mess with my answer. You know, in the former case, <laughs> I expect you right. to. That's interesting. So it becomes a much more um, 
you know, you have, you have more data to make a decision. It's still an address. You're still saying, Hey, go to this address, but right. it's, it's a time sensitive situation sensitive. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's not exactly like load balancing, which is sort of application. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's it, it feels a little like load balancing because that's, you're making a decision. I'm going to send traffic based on, you know, application performance or other criteria. But in this case, it's much more about what the client is doing or what the network topology is than it is about where you're sending that traffic to. Yeah. So it's a bit of both. Right. And it's, and we're going to, we're going to make a decision based on, um, you know, security based on, um, you know, health on network performance on latency. Um, there's a whole variety of ways we can make that decision and, 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 but we can't do that on our own. Right. It, it means more and more integrations with different services uh, so that, that we can provide the right answer, um, which is, so it's, it's, it's an exciting way for us. I mean, our, our, for the first 15 years of blue cat, we've been focused on core DNS. Uh, certainly we would sell at the edge, but we would sell at the edge, you know, where customer wanted uh, survivability at the edge. There wasn't additional features or capabilities to make, you know, there wasn't an opportunity to do something um, innovative at the edge. And now given what's happening at the edge, it, it you know, brings upon opportunity that, that we think is interesting. Makes a lot of sense. So and it's of, fun. <laughs> well, fun's always good. I think yeah. Edge is Edge is super exciting, and I think we're just at the beginning. One one thing you had you had said that I would go back to is the other the other thing that's that's fun and and changing a lot right now, which is like service mesh, and building some service discovery infrastructure. There's an element from a DNS perspective there also, right? Where we're saying, hey, I have a you know, an application profile that, that's shifting all over the place because I put it in containers and I'm distributing those containers. So service discovery, service mesh, is there a component in DNS that we should be thinking about for that too? Yeah, and most of those solutions either are based on DNS, mm. uh, you know, for instance, um, uh, you know, Kubernetes has a related project called Core DNS that is, is um, basically a plug-in DNS engine that has a lot of other capabilities or HashiCorp is a great piece of software, which I'm going to blame on the name. Yeah, console, which has a DNS interface as well as a, as a RESTful interface. And so, so you know, and, and, and so DNS has always had a play in that world. And c certainly, um, uh, you know, if you're, if you're delivering or developing services on Amazon, then, then Route 53 becomes an opportunity as well for, for service discovery as they change the answer based on, on health um, as well. So sure. there, there's definitely a play there. It, it's, it's, you know, our play, you know, from, from a broad enterprise DNS perspective, um, we don't try to go into our customers and convince them that they should stop those that are writing new application, you know, launching new Kubernetes clusters and we're, they're going to use what's native to that system. Right. So instead we just plug into that and we make sure that, um, that one, we can keep the appropriate compliance, who's querying what, when we can apply policies. Why is this thing querying anything outside of that pod? Um, what services is it supposed to access back in the data center? Um, so there's a whole compliance side that we play in. And then there's no reason our customers can't use us in many of those scenarios, but you're not going to step in front of, um, uh, you know, if, if there's, 
th- there's no reason for us to go wage that battle because the tools that come with a lot of these systems are purpose built and are provide more value than a more general uh, general tool. Okay, I mean this this makes sense to me. I mean I, it feels like we've we've kept circling around sort of the same question you know that that I'm trying to get straight in my mind, which is there's DNS that is sort of you know take me to my app. And then there's DNS of, you know, what, inter- what, what the client is doing and how, what those interactions are. And that, that's a side of DNS I hadn't thought much about. It clearly is the heart of what you're, what you're positioning and, and the analytics that you're adding. Yeah, you, you got it. You got it. Yeah, look, we, we in the DNS industry are supposed to be offended by the analogy that DNS is a phone book. And I get why, I get why that's the analogy because a huge percentage of what it does is takes a name and gives you an address, you know, and, and um, so, so fantastic. Um, it's just, there's, it wasn't, it was built for way more and, and, in the reality in, in any enterprise scenario, it does way more. So Andrew, this is uh, Stephen. As I said, I was going to break in right when it was exciting and it was like uh, we were reaching the, the crescendo of all the, key items but um i have to i always try to keep things at a half hour uh, we found that works really the best of the podcast but i want to thank you for joining us really uh good conversation today if people want to learn more uh come to uh your website do you have a twitter or anything like that yes at a wordkin and and i also have a podcast of my own network disrupted which you can find on apple or spotify um, where I'm not talking about DNS, I'm talking about sort of broader industry challenges that uh, a bunch of our customers are going through. But uh, and then our website, BlueCatNetworks.com. That's great. Now, what was the uh, podcast again? So I can send people there. It's great to promote other podcasts. We, yeah, we're, we'd love to have other podcasts yeah. cross promote. Yeah, net network disrupted. Network disrupted. Great. Well, thanks again, Andrew and Rob. Great stuff as usual. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. And everyone, even though this is going to come out sometime in early April, everyone still stay safe and uh, healthy. And uh, we will uh, be back next week with another podcast. Thank you.